Welcome. My name is Dr. Jonathan Vorse, and thank you for downloading our podcast today on Working the Word. Make sure you hit that subscribe button to receive new podcasts every week. Thank you for your support at jvorse.org and enjoy the message today. So today we're going to be talking about the Good Samaritan and we're going to be gleaning some truths from that. Father, we come to you. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to gather together and to learn your word, to worship you in spirit and in truth. I thank you. Father, for those that were in first service, those that are here in second service, those that are watching us online from different parts of the world, I pray that you would touch me to be able to effectively communicate your word today. Touch the ears of the hearers to hear and the hearts to receive that our understanding would be enlightened. Touch my lips of clay to begin to speak the oracles of God as Holy Spirit teaches us today. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. 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 The story of the Good Samaritan is known far and wide in Christendom as a story of treachery, of thievery, of hypocrisy, racism, pain, also of compassion and grace and care. This story teaches us to look beyond religious, social, racial, and societal barriers and to love our neighbor. Look at your neighbor and say, love our neighbor. Amen. This is the gist of this story. This is what God's Word is teaching us here today through this story is how to love our neighbor. This story has had a profound impact on our world. Uh, there are homes of help that have been named Samaritan homes. There are ministries that have been named Samaritan ministries like Samaritan's Purse. There are hospitals that have been named after the Good Samaritan such as Good Samaritan Hospital. Good Samaritan laws have been passed that we live by here in the United States of America. And even people who do not claim to be Christians, who do not claim to subscribe to the precepts of God's Word, live under the laws of Good Samaritan, Good Samaritan's laws. These laws encourage us to help those in need as we pass by. So there's much to be learned from this event. Now, the story of the Good Samaritan actually begins in verse number 25, but I think we need to kind of lay a little bit of a groundwork because we need to see how this story came up in the life and times of Jesus. You will recall that the last time we were together talking about this in our Red Letter series, that we were talking about the 70 that Jesus sent out. Jesus told him, he said, I give you power over unclean spirits, go preach the kingdom, go heal the sick, cast out devils and whatnot. Then we see that they came back, the Bible said in verse number 17, with this declaration where they said, even the devils are subject to us in your name. Verse number 18, Jesus said, well, yeah, I saw Satan as lightning fall out of heaven. So Jesus was letting them know I was there when Satan was cast out of heaven. And so then Jesus encourages them. If you go on down here, Jesus encourages them to stay rooted and to stay grounded and not get puffed up. In verse number 20, he said, notwithstanding in this rejoice, not that spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. So what he was saying was don't rejoice because of the power that's flowing through you, 
rejoice because of the grace that God has given to you. And so that's important for us, I think, that we need to understand that there is a stark difference in God flowing through us and the relationship that we have with the Lord. So it's important for us to make sure that our hearts are right with God, that we don't allow ourselves to get puffed up because we're a Christian. Can I say this to you? And I hope you take it in the right spirit. I'm not trying to be mean or cruel or anything. I'm just trying to help us understand this. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you're better than someone else. Okay? Because if it wasn't for the grace of God, if it wasn't for the love of God, if it wasn't for Calvary, you'd be just as filthy as the filthiest sinner. And so we're thankful today for the grace of God. We realize that it's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to God's mercy, He saved us. And that's what the Scripture teaches us. So Jesus was teaching them, don't be puffed up, don't rejoice because of the power that was flowing through you. Rejoice because you've received the grace of God in your life and that your names are written down in heaven. So then we go on and Jesus is talking to them and a lawyer decides he's going to tempt Jesus. Now this is the word that is used in the King James Version. The Bible said the lawyer decided he was going to tempt Jesus. And so he looked at Jesus and he says to Jesus, he says, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And that's in verse number 25. Jesus recognizing the spirit of this man this man was a lawyer who practiced Mosaic law. So this man looks at Jesus, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus looks at him, recognizing who he is, and he answers his question with a question. And here's what he said in verse number 26. He said, well, what does the law say? So he put it back on him. See, this man was tempting Jesus. He was trying to create trouble for Jesus because there was so much going on there, people were rejoicing because of the blessing of God, because of the favor of God. Every time that God tries to do something, every time that God gives you a victory, Satan will try to disrupt it somehow. Here's what you need to realize. In the midst of that disruption, you still win. You're an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of your testimony. So it's important for us to understand that, okay? So when the enemy comes in, like a flood, the Lord will raise up a standard against him. So this lawyer was testing Jesus. What shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus looks at him and says, what does the law say? And the lawyer answered Jesus with his interpretation of the law concerning eternal life in Deuteronomy chapter 6, Leviticus 19. We find where he answered him. So then the lawyer, he wasn't finished. Verse number 29, he had been kind of handled by Jesus. See, Jesus was pretty smart when it came to his skeptics. And so here he was, he was kind of handled by Jesus. So in Luke chapter 10 and verse 29, the Bible said the lawyer wanted to justify himself. And so he looks at Jesus because Jesus said, you need to love your neighbor. So then he looks at Jesus and he says, well, who's my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? It was almost a snarkety question. Well, well, who's my neighbor? I mean, here's all these people here and you're rejoicing and you're dancing, all this kind of stuff. You're worshiping the Lord because demon spirits are subject to us and, and now I want to inherit eternal life and you tell me what does the law say? So I told you and Jesus told him, but you need to love your neighbor. You need to go love your neighbor. And so he looks at Jesus and says, well, then who's my neighbor? And this is 
when Jesus introduced the story of the Good Samaritan. And you'll see as we go along here how this became a conundrum for this lawyer because there, there are some things in this story that you're going to see that really challenges the law. See, grace always challenges law. And so we'll see it here. The Good Samaritan. So then we find ourselves in verse number 30. A man travels from Jerusalem to Jericho. It's a, a distance of about 20 miles. He's walking along this road that Bible theologians have called the way of blood. It was actually known as the way of blood because of the crime that would take place on this road. It was known as a place where you could get robbed, where you could get beaten, where what you had could be taken away from you. And this happened to this Jew. So the Jew's walking along the road and he's jumped by people. He's beaten. He's stripped. He's left half dead. Verses 31 and 32, the Bible said that a priest and a Levite walk by and leave him for dead. They notice that he is there. I think it's important for us to understand, and you can tuck this in your memory cap for later on in the message, but I think it's important for us to understand that the priest and the Levite passed by another Jew. It was another Jew, and that will have significance later. And then the Bible said there was another man that passed by. And this man was a Samaritan. And the Bible said in verse number 35, 33 through 35, that he had compassion on this Jew. And the Bible said that he helped him. So Jesus tells this story. And then he turns and he looks at the lawyer. And he says to the lawyer, he said, which now of these three do you think was neighbor to him that fell among the thieves? And that was the answer that Jesus gave to the lawyer when the lawyer said, who is my neighbor? So Jesus, the answer was the story of the Good Samaritan and then Jesus pinned him into a theological corner and asked him the question, who do you think was neighbor to this man? And so what does the lawyer say? Well, what else could he say? In the midst of all of those witnesses, the lawyer says, well, of course, it was the one who showed him mercy. Now, why was this a problem for this lawyer? Why was it? Because the lawyer had to admit something that was totally contrary to Mosaic law. He had to admit that the neighbor to the man who had been beaten, stripped, and left to die was a Samaritan, a person that was supposed to be untouchable by the Jews. That's why it was a conundrum. So he had to admit that even though this person is supposed to be unclean, even though this person is supposed to be an enemy, even, there is, even though there's animosity between the Jews and the Samaritans, the priest wasn't his neighbor. The Levite wasn't his neighbor. The person who was supposed to be the enemy became the neighbor. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? So what do we learn from this? Here's what we learn, and I think this is what Jesus was trying to get across to them. Jesus was trying to teach everyone in that place, and he was trying to make a point through this story that the greatest power on earth today is the power of God's love. John 3.16 says this, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son 
that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but should have everlasting life. When we talk about God's love, when we see God's love, when we experience God's love, then we understand that that love is not bound by race. That love is not bound by religion. That love is not bound by culture. That love is not bound by creed. It is a stretch, but the Bible even teaches us that we are supposed to love our enemies. How can we love our enemies? We can't on our own. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Why? Because Christ's love that comes inside of me gives me the strength and gives me the power to love the unlovable, to love those who are unreachable, to love those who have opposed me, to love those who have hurt me. I am called by God to be a neighbor to all of those who are in need. So the answer the answer that Jesus gives to the lawyer, when the lawyer says, who is my neighbor? The answer is the person whose need you can meet. Because you see in the, in, in the old Mosaic law, that Samaritan wasn't supposed to touch the Jew. Now, the priest was a teacher of the law. And he passed by. I don't think we need to, this point doesn't need to be mute. The priest was a teacher of the law and he passed him on by. The, the Levite was a practitioner of the law. He helped the priest in carrying out religious practices, but he passed him on by. You know what the Bible teaches in Leviticus 19 and Deuteronomy chapter 10? The Bible teaches both the priest and the Levite. The law teaches them to love the stranger, to help those that are in need, to help those who are hurting, but they passed him on by. The only person that helped, the one who wasn't even a Jew, who wasn't bound by Mosaic law, was the one where God's love was found. Now, as Christians, we're not under the law, but we're under grace, right? And so God's Word teaches us in James chapter 1, verses 19 through 27, that we are to practice pure and undefiled religion, otherwise we deceive ourselves. And you can find that in James chapter 1, verses 19 through 27. Pure and undefiled religion, the Bible says in verse number 27 there, is to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep ourselves unspotted from the world. We are called by God to help people with the love of God, irregardless of their race, irregardless of their societal standards, irregardless of their religion. Let me say it like this. Let me say it like this. Some people, especially in America, there's this hatred that is being developed towards Muslims. Let me tell you something. I love Muslims with the love of the Lord. How can you share the love of Jesus? How can you share God's love with someone that you hate? How can they receive Jesus, the message of Jesus, the message of the cross from someone that you hate? Listen, we need to love the lost. We need to love people of other religions. We need to love them so we can share the love of Jesus with them so maybe one day they can receive Jesus Christ into their heart as their Lord and Savior and Him become a part of their life too. 
So this hatred that Christians have had through the years for other religions and this hatred that Christians have had for other people and this this aloofism, I guess I might say, where we stick our nose up in the air and feel like we're just a little bit better than everyone else has no place in the kingdom of God. No place in the kingdom of God. And I think this is what Jesus is trying to teach us. Jesus through the Good Samaritan story here, is trying to teach us that the greatest power on the face of the earth is the power of God's love, and we need to let the power of God's love flow through us. Now, let me, let me tell you this. God's calling us to be our neighbor. Who is our neighbor? It's anyone that we can help. That's who our neighbor is. That's not just the person that lives beside you. If I told you right now, touch your neighbor and say such and such, then you'd reach over and touch the person. That's what we think of when we talk about neighbor. But God's Word declares and teaches through this story that it's anyone that we can help. Now let me tell you something. There is risk in being a good neighbor. Not everyone will understand the compassion that you have for the lost. Okay, your neighbor is your Democratic friends. Your neighbor is your Republican friends. Your neighbor is your independent friends. Come on, I'm just preaching where we're living. There's so much hatred. Let me tell you something. God is bigger than politics. God is bigger than politics. And I think it's important for us as a church to look beyond all of that and realize there are neighbors. There are neighbors and we need to love them and we need to take care of them. Now there's risk in that because if I as a Republican or as a Democrat would, would, would uh, accept into my friendship circle someone that would be of, that, of the other party, then in the culture that we are in in America today, there would be people that would frown on that. They'll say, well, you're not taking a stand. Let me tell you something. You know I take a stand. You know how I feel about some of those things. But the thing about it is, is I may not have the same views that you have, but I can still be your friend. You can still be my neighbor. And we can still work together. And so there might be risk when people look at that and they say, wow, you know what? He's eating with this, well, what they said about Jesus. He's eating with publicans and sinners. And the Bible said that the Pharisees and the Sadducees were finding fault with Jesus because he was eating with publicans and sinners. Not everyone will understand the compassion that you have. Not everyone will understand that. And so there's a risk you could possibly lose some friends. Let me tell you something. They're not your friends. There's a risk that you might be mocked. People will mock you. They'll criticize you. They'll find fault with you. Well, welcome to reality. Let me say it like this. Welcome to adulthood. That's just the way that it is. There's a risk in your reputation. Jesus had that risk of his reputation. Well, he's a friend to publicans and sinners. Yes, Jesus didn't come to, to, Jesus came to seek and save those that were lost. Jesus didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So how was he going to reach the sinners if he wasn't ever where a sinner was? So this is what Jesus is trying to teach us here. He's trying to teach us to be good neighbors, to be good friends. Sometimes being a good Samaritan is risky business. Now, what if this good Samaritan would, what if he, while he was trying to help this Jew that was over here in the ditch, 
that had been beaten, stripped, robbed, left for dead. What if while he was down there working on him, what if the bandits that had done that to this Jew were laying away in the bushes getting ready to jump him also? There's risk involved. There's risk involved in being a good neighbor. As Christians, we're called to take risks. The Bible says in Luke chapter 6 and verse 30, to give to every man that asketh of thee and of him that taketh away thy goods, ask them not again. You say to me, well, pastor, what if people just take advantage of us? Well, how, how do I know that they're not going to take advantage of me? You don't. You don't. The moment that you obey God is the moment that's the moment. The moment that you obey God, that's the moment. Right there. That's the moment. Are you, have I got your attention? The moment that you obey God, that's the moment that your responsibility of obedience ends. You release it all to God. You say, well, you know, I'm, this person's holding this sign and, and, and every time I come here, they're just holding this sign and all this kind And all of a sudden, one day, the Lord speaks to you and says, I want you to, Give them five bucks. I told him in the first service, I said, last week I got tickled. I was down in Tampa and I seen a guy and he was standing and he hold, held this sign and the sign said, I'm not going to lie, I want beer. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I wanted to give him five bucks just for his honesty. I didn't, but, <laughs> you know, I wanted to give him five bucks for his honesty. But what if God speaks to you to do that? Well, what are they going to do with my hard-earned money? That's none of your concern. You're called to be a good neighbor. You're called to share the love of Jesus. You're called to move when God says move. You're called to give when God says give. You're called to extend compassion and love when God's word says to extend compassion and love. So you don't know that they won't take advantage of you, but that's none of your concern. Here's the thing. Our concern is to be obedient for the Lord, for the Lord and when we're obedient for the Lord, then the rest is up to God. The rest is up to God. Amen? All right. So Jesus challenges us through this story also to make some time to minister to those in need. This gentleman was probably in a hurry. He was walking down this road. He was probably being very, very aware. How else would he found the man that was in the ditch? He was probably being very aware. And he probably had a schedule, had something going on in Jerusalem that he had, had to do. And so here he is, and all of a sudden he sees this, and his entire schedule gets interrupted. How many times has God interrupted your schedule? We need to be spiritually attuned and spiritually aware because, listen, God interrupting your schedule to, min to minister to someone could be the very moment that that person gives their life to Jesus Christ and their life is changed forever. The good Samaritan used some of his own provisions. Sometimes being a good neighbor is going to cost you something. The good Samaritan used some of his own provisions. In Luke chapter 10 and verse number 34, the Bible said in verse number 35, the Bible said that he took this man to the nearby town and he checked him in and he told the innkeeper, he said, here's some money, here's some of my provisions, I'll come back later. If he needs anything else, you go ahead and give it to him, I'll take care of it. What does that teach us? That teaches us that God has called us to finish the work. 
He could have just said, well, I'm going to take care of what he needs right now and I hope he does fine. But no, he decided he was going to come back around and make sure the job is complete. Listen, follow the love of God through to completion. If God has called you and God has directed you to be a friend and to be a neighbor to someone in need, no matter their race, their religion, their culture, their creed, if God has called you to be a friend to someone in need, then do it and do it to the end. Do it to the end. Finish what you start for God. Finish it. Finish it. Ephesians 5, 1 through 2 says this. Jesus teaches us that when we make sacrifices for our fellow men, that we are true followers of God who are walking in love. And that passage of Scripture is Ephesians 5, 1 through 2, where the Bible says to be imitators of God as beloved children. And what is the interpretation of that? We see it in verse number two when he follows it up, when he says, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So how do I imitate God? In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, first of all, we have the imperative command from God to be imitators of God. How do I do that? In verse number 2, I walk in sacrificial love. That's how we imitate God. That's how you imitate God to lost people. That's how you imitate God to people who don't understand. Are you going to attract some critics? Absolutely. Absolutely. Are you going to, and, and here's the thing, most of the time people criticize what they don't fully understand. And that's pretty normal because the love of God is unexplainable. So how can it be fully understood? It can't. And so critics many times will criticize what they don't fully understand. So in closing this morning, this teaching on the Good Samaritan. God is calling us today to a higher standard of love. That's God's message to us today, to love our neighbor. Who is our neighbor? Anyone within our ability to help. Jesus told the lawyer, because the lawyer said to him, you know, he said, who is my neighbor? Jesus looked at him and he said, well, what does the law say? See, so Jesus told the lawyer that he needed to love his neighbor also, and he told the lawyer to do something that was totally unnatural for him. He told the lawyer that he was supposed to love a Gentile. He told a Jewish lawyer, you're supposed to love a Gentile. Someone that you see as your enemy, Jesus told him that. I want to ask you this question. Who came to your mind right now? Who is your enemy? Now, we all know Satan's our enemy, but I'm talking about who is your enemy? Now we're digging in where we're living, aren't we? Who don't you get along with? 
I'm not saying you have to go have dinner with them. I'm not saying you have to go watch a movie with them. I'm not saying you have to go and hang out with them and buddy, buddy, buddy around with them. But I'm trying to tell you that you need to pray for them and you need to ask the Lord to help you, to bless them. And you need to love them with the love of the Lord. If it would have been easy, then we wouldn't need God. If it would have been easy, we wouldn't need God. So ask God to help you love them with the love of Christ, and it'll set you free. Jesus told the disciples in Matthew 5 and verse 20, For I say to you, that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. The Pharisees and the Sadducees stood in the corner, finding fault with everyone who didn't do things their way. They had a criticizing spirit. They had a critical spirit. They had an accusatorial, they would accuse people, all of that. Jesus said, that's not the kind of righteousness that we're looking for in grace. Except your righteousness exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. God's called us to be peacemakers. God's called us to love the hurting. God's, God's called us to love the downtrodden. And downtrodden isn't just poor people. Some of the richest people I know are miserable. Because you can't buy happiness with a fat bank account. It'll help. But you can't buy real happiness with a fat bank account. God needs to change your heart. God needs to change your life. God's called us to be peacemakers. Peacemakers with those who have hurt us those who have criticized us, those who have truthfully wronged us. It's one thing you seeing where you were wrong and it's another thing knowing that they were wrong and them seeing that they were wrong and you realizing they were wrong but I still need to forgive them and I still need to love them. God's called us to be peacemakers. Peace is not something that we inherit. Peace is something that we make. It's something that we make. And being a peacemaker begins in our own hearts. If we don't carry peace, we can't make peace. I said if we don't carry peace, we can't make peace. So Jesus was trying to get the point across in front of all these witnesses to this lawyer with the Good Samaritan, that the law divided, but grace is gonna bring you all together. The love of God, the love of God, the love of God, the most powerful force on the face of this earth that caused a Samaritan to reach out to a Jew who were natural enemies to minister to him and then to not just bind up his wounds, but to carry him to the next town and to go the extra mile to take care of him. Amen.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So while heads are bowed and eyes are closed and, and, and no one's looking around, our, our point of reflection today, the thing that we need to ask ourselves is this. God, am I letting the love of Jesus shine through me? Am I like the priest who knows what the Word of God says, but I just pass on by anyway? Am I like the Levite who is a practitioner of the law as long as everything goes my way, but when I see that need, I just pass on by? Or am I going to allow the love of God to move through me like a good Samaritan? So when I see my neighbor in trouble, when I see my neighbor in need, that I reach out with the compassion of heaven and try to meet the need and try to minister love to them. Thank you for listening to Dr. Jonathan Vorse on Working the Word. We appreciate your love and support. Visit www.jvorse.org to give a gift today. Don't forget to subscribe and enjoy the rest of your day. Always remember, the Word will work if you work the Word. Be blessed.